0: I'm Deontay Burden, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Hamadou Diallo. Hey, I'm Danilo Gallinari. I'm Chris Paul and I'm down to dunk. I'm Luke Dort and I'm down to Dort. What's Dort?
1: I'm not gonna lie. I don't know what that was. in English, bro? I'm Darius Basley and I'm down to dunk. I'm Shake Gilders Alexander. I'm Steven Adams. I'm Andre Robinson and I'm down to dunk. On you. Welcome ladies and gentlemen to Down to Dunk. This is episode 751. Andrew is out of town so hosting for the week is me, Jay Smith. And today for your Monday podcast, I've got our good friend Michele Berra from all the way from Italy.
0: Michele, what's up? Well, uh, two days and we'll have the first real basketball moment of the season. So I'm really excited. Yeah, I, and mean, the, I can't the, wait. The season starts. Do, aren't there two games on tomorrow night? Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, we know Who like, cares about? Okay, you know. see, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, if if the Rockets are uh, in day one, probably uh, I'll watch it. But uh, I don't know. I mean, the the important one is on is on Wednesday, of course.
1: Yeah, well, and so tomorrow is the Pelicans and somebody, Toronto. I don't know who they're playing. So it's the yeah. Pelicans and yeah. somebody, and then the Clippers, Lakers, or the other game so oh so no no Houston
0: okay
1: no I don't think it's Houston unless they're playing the Pelicans which I should know this information know. but I'm uh like you said yeah, kind of similar where it's like I I knew that the Clippers and Lakers were playing but I wasn't really sure who else yeah was it's playing, Pelican but... Raptors okay Pelicans yeah. Raptors so I was right
0: yeah
1: but the Pelicans yeah. obviously oh. got the news where no Zion so that makes that far less interesting to watch yes but uh anyway so but we want to talk about we don't want to talk about that we have very little desire to talk about the Pelicans, especially without Zion. But we do want to talk some Thunder basketball. And since we, since McKelly last came to you, we have finished preseason, and the regular season is just a few days away. So I wanted to get a few thoughts from McKelly about the preseason. So, what are a few things that stood out to you from um, kind of the whole four games? Uh, and then on top of that, maybe any specific players or any other thoughts you wanted to mention for the podcast?
0: So, I mean. The preseason was probably split in two, um, the first two games and then the last two games uh, against um, Dallas and Memphis, where Chris Paul didn't play and all the issues on both sides, basically, we we saw the real issues Uh, on the first game. We saw how hard it is to score when things go wrong and you don't have a star like Chris Paul. In the second game, I think OKC had a ton of tons of issues so defensively that can be related to the fact that some of the players that play good enough defense uh, on the roster, meaning uh, Chris Paul, Diallo, and Ferguson, uh, didn't play. Uh, but also, I think there was a, a lack of... Uh, maybe communication, a lack of effort sometimes. And and so, I mean, in the last part of the preseason, probably we saw the worst uh, of this team. But in the first part, we see something, especially when, when Chris played, we saw very interesting stuff. We, see, we saw how Stephen can be effective in a pick and roll setting when you have uh, a point guard that can really score uh, from the mid-range, from the three-point line, from the dribble. And, and also the ball moved pretty well. Um, so that part was really encouraging. I think that this team has the potential to be a better defensive team than what they showed in preseason, especially if uh, Shea and, and Gallo play with more effort. And offensively, I think that, again, with Chris Paul uh, leading the team, this could be uh, a decent enough team where you are not talking about like a bottom of the of the league. You're talking probably eight, nine, ten seed uh, if this core stays intact. Uh, speaking of like of players, I think that we should start. We have to start with uh, with Shea and and with Baisley. Um, I think that Shea showed how right some of the uh, media member national media member where in terms of his ceiling uh, as a um, as a scorer and as a player in general and with basely i think that the fact that he's able already to play good enough defense against multiple uh type of players like he he was able to stay with some quicker guy he was able to stay uh and, and be able to to be a help defender he held his own sometimes uh, in the post and then he He's a guy that can really feel the game. And so those two players are really, really something uh, to look uh, forward for OkC and and also clearly, Stephen Adams had a great preseason, but I, I did expect that from Stephen.
1: Okay, so let me ask you, so I have a few questions. So you are, I mean going to be familiar with Gallinari on a level in which a lot of us, oklahoma city fans aren't uh just because of the connection you know the italian connection but also just paying attention to him probably a little bit more so yeah looking at his game like and i mentioned this on the fry pod and he looked like he was just kind of going through the motions would you say that's pretty fair
0: yeah yeah i think it's fair i mean gallo gallo i think he was going at his own pace, like not pushing it too much, uh, doing the things that were there, maybe taking a few shots, a few, few ill-advised shot that he likes to take because I mean Gallo for his entire life as a basketball player is a really good scorer and a guy that likes to take a certain type of shot, circus shot, uh, long range trees. And so he took a few that probably he shouldn't take, but he, he always does. Um, and I think that when I when I spoke uh, like two minutes ago about his defense, I think that he, he has to offer way more than than what he showed uh, in preseason. He was really really going uh, at a control and slow pace for his own standard. I think that he can and and will be more involved uh, in the offense. He he's a guy that can take 20 shots a game, so we we no no issue whatsoever. So I think the question that that I have is
1: for Danilo a guy who is seemingly on his way out temporary here in Oklahoma City I think the question that a lot of Thunder fans may be having in the back of their mind is this the effort you will get from Gallo for the amount of time that is here and I think I'm pretty confident in the fact that I think he will be um, more engaged when the team's actually on the floor with Chris Paul on the floor like I think he'll be engaged when it's real game time. Is that a fair thing to assume? Or do you, I mean, is there a chance that we get a kind of lackadaisical Gallo until he is moved? Or do you think he'll be fully who he is?
0: Well, for, I mean, I, I cannot pretend to know Gallo at a personal level sure. or anything like that. Um, but in his entire career, I never saw a moment where he wasn't competing, really competing, when there was a real game to play. And so I would expect that he he's going to play at his best. Uh, probably he has a sort of resting pattern that he will follow during his time in OKC. But if you think about him, and suppose that you want to go in a certain place, suppose that you want to compete for something, isn't it in your best interest to be the best person of, of yourself, so that that team offers something for you and gets you? Because I mean, if you play uh, like uh, the marginal level, I don't know if like a contender will take you just based on the, on on last season. Like if they if you can show to them that you that, that that last season wasn't a fluke, that you can really stay on the court, that you can play defense, because contenders are really mindful about the kind of defense that you can play uh, coming playoffs time if you spend something for Gallo it means that you think that you can really play him at a certain level like it, when 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 the game will matter and so i think that in, in its best interest especially on the defensive side to be consistent not a great defender but a guy that when he's rich on a small guy will not be embarrassed like Carmelo did against Donovan Mitchell Uh, Maybe he would not be and never be Paul Jordan or Andre Robertson, but you can be a sound defender like JJ Reddick can stay on the court coming playoffs time because he's so smart that he can be in the right place and being in the right place and hold your own for like one, two steps allows the defense to be competent, even if you are not a great defender.
1: Yeah. And Gallo has, he has been that for, I mean, all of his career, like, He's never been a plus defender in the sense that you – like kind of those guys you're comparing him to. Uh, but yeah. Gallo has never really been that guy, especially when he got more kind of committed to the four position. Like he's never been one of those guys mm-hmm. that's been so bad he can't play. Um, and part of yeah. that's also because his offense is that that elite when he's healthy. Um, okay, so th- I think that's just one of those things. Like the question you have to ask for a team that knows that it's in transition is what kind of effort are you going to get from some of these guys who are – not in the long term plans, and a lot of most of the team, they're going to work hard because they're trying to make it in the NBA. Uh, so that's why I think that question for Gallo. And then the other thing I do want to just walk through a few of the guys that are kind of on that peripheral. I think one of the things that's really going to make or break this season for the Thunder, um, if if you're looking to be relatively competitive, which I know probably not really in the ultimate goals of the Thunder to be competitive, and I know it's not in the goals of a lot of the fans. But this bench crew, this this who fills the wing position, is a huge question. And so, and one of them is not really uh, a wing position. But I just want to ask about him as well. And so I'll start with him. So if you look at Mike Muscala through the preseason, mm-hmm. I thought he was really really good in that Memphis game. Um, what yeah. do you see? What do you see his role looking like in the regular season this year?
0: Oh, I think he will play. Um, I have something in the back of my mind that says. That the three big guys, Noel, Muscala, and Adams, at least one of the three, and probably one between Noel and Adams, will not be um, in a Thunder jersey by Christmas, um, because it makes sense to play a different style of basketball, a uh, more spaced-out kind of basketball. And so, and also, like Stephen and 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 Ernest are assets, while Muscala is a probably net zero player, like a player that you can trade into someone's space without paying, but without getting anything. Whereas I think that for some team, having a minimum guy like Noel or Adams can be uh, extremely valuable. So back to to Muscala, I think that he has a chance to show that he can play big minutes like 10, 15 uh, off the bench, which like for a bench player, for a fringe bench player, those are huge minutes, and provide the shooting and the spacing I'm not as positive as his impact uh, defensively because even in the Memphis game, he was like beaten quite easily by uh, Memphis guards. But I I expect him to play regular minutes uh, from Billy Donon because he values shooting quite a lot. And um, I think he will play hard because for him, it means having another contract, having maybe a contract in a good place. And so for Muscala, I think that these are these are my expectation at least. Yeah,
1: and I you could see a lot of times where uh, the image I have just as a still picture in my mind is this picture of Muscala chasing somebody from behind, right? Like somebody on the perimeter yeah. made a move, got by him, and Muscala is trying to catch up, uh, which is not really the image yeah. you want. But I do think I think his shooting is something that the Thunder um, are going to be in desperate need of, and, and you hope that he can bring kind of that idea of what we hoped Patterson would. Um, okay. So, so here goes to more of kind of the wing players. And I want you just kind of to briefly touch on some of these, some of these need less time. Some of them need more, what you saw from them, what you expect from them. So, uh, and I may mispronounce his first name. I can't remember if it's Devin or Devon, Devin Hall. I'm out of Virginia. He, he shot the ball well in the preseason, especially against Memphis. He's Strictly a G League guy to you, or do you think he gets some run with the actual team?
0: Um, I think that if you if if Chris Paul and or Scherter, um are traded soon enough in the season, um, quickly enough, I think that Devon will stick with the team. Um, maybe not regularly, but he will be someone to play because, like, even even if you don't really need a third string point guard. Sometimes you bring it along because you never know what you you are going to need in the game. And if the shooting uh, pans out the way it seems to be, because he always have, I mean, I remember uh, me and Andrew talking about uh, how his shot looks great. It looks fluid, but he never goes in. If he goes in at a, at a good clip, I think that Billy will give him a, um, spot minutes here and there, but it will be probably mostly G League. I mean, um, I think he can get the Diallo treatment or the Burton treatment uh, from last season where he plays like maybe for a a month sort of regularly and then disappears or the opposite. Like maybe if uh, Schroeder is traded by Christmas or at the trade deadline, then maybe in the second part of the year he will be uh, aggregated with the team um, more often than not.
1: And you think Hall would get that opportunity before Dort, correct?
0: Just because yeah, of the I mean, I I think that Dort has a lot of work to do in his game, uh, offensively. Defensively, he's a beast, and um, and you, but but that is something that he has, he already had in in college. He he can improve on that end, but I think that he has to work a lot on yeah, his shot. Yeah, and and his offense looks like unorganized like he's not a guy like when he touches the ball he tries to shoot it immediately or to make a play i think that working uh in a g league um where you have a coach that probably tries to implement similar concepts to the one that billy implements uh, on the thunder then probably is helpful for him for hall he's a guy that can play in a system already yeah and so i think that you can give him more time uh with the grown-ups uh with respect to door where i mean he needs to work quite a lot on that end yeah well and it's
1: the comp just physically was always marcus smart uh but he marcus smart was such a more polished offensive player um even in college than Lou Gentz is now you know and so that's where it kind of falls apart pretty quickly And, and i'll tell you what he does not lack his confidence and that dude will shoot the ball without hesitation from anywhere on the floor, but it's like yeah, not rarely is it ever going to go in. So, All right, so just to be mindful of time, let's move on to a couple other. I only have three other guys to talk about, so we'll do these kind of quick. And I'm going to rank them in order of what I think the Thunder would rank them, going from um, least important to most important. Uh, so what did you think? For me, Burton was kind of a non-factor – kind of unim not unimpressive because that's fair unfair because what do you expect from that guy but uh what do you think about Burton and what do you expect from him this season
0: Well I have I have the same feeling you have I mean I was I would say disappointed uh, or at least my expe- my expectation of him uh were higher um I think that last year he showed in spots that he could be a good enough defender and he was creative with the ball. I didn't see anything of that uh in in preseason. Maybe because he didn't have the ball in his hand um, as much. Maybe I don't know, he's not entirely comfortable with his new body because he lose a lot of weight, lost a lot of weight, and that can change your approach to the game. Um I don't know. I mean I was pretty confident that he could be a player that goes for 10 slash 12 minutes a night and provide good defense, maybe some sort of uh, X factor from, from the bench. And now I think he's probably the last uh, guy that, that will dress up for games and maybe he will be inactive sometimes. I don't know. Um, I didn't like him in this preseason. Maybe it's just preseason. Sometimes it happens and sometimes is, is what it is. And so I mean, not impressed at all, and I don't know if I expect him being part of a regular rotation uh, for next season.
1: Yeah, I don't feel extremely confident in that either. I will say no. the thing that was the most disheartening for me for a lot of these guys is in that game against the Mavericks when they all of them had any shot that they could to, to contribute on a positive level, nobody did it. Now, it is preseason. Mm-hmm. I understand there was a lot of gaps, and the reason that that would have happened And even Ferguson, I think that was the thing that was the biggest letdown is like, man, this is your chance. Like you could put up 20-something, really lead the team, do do some of these things that you said you were working on, like with the ball, and it just was all of it fell flat. And so I forgot about this guy because that's kind of what I want to do. But I want to talk about him real quick as well. Nader could have been, in my mind, the least impressive player in the preseason, uh, which is probably unfair. But um, what did you think about Nader?
0: Well depends what your goals are.
1: Like to not
0: are you be trying good? to yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like as a tanking champions. I mean maybe 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 this is uh this is too much, but uh when I see him play, even if the ball goes in from from three, I don't see any reason for him to be on the court. Like he cannot defend. He does always the same thing offensively. Like last year, he used to do two two things. One, shoot off the catch. Two, make a little pump fake that no one uh, believes in and then dribble with his right hand trying to shoot the basketball at the rim. Only these two stuff. And in preseason, we saw the same two actions. No passing, no better defense, no better decision with the ball in his hands. I mean, if you want to have a bad player because you want to... to I don't know, to lose and to lose by a lot, then yes, he can play. But I mean, I wouldn't play him one second in front of Darius Paisley. I would much rather play Baisley 36 minutes at the three, at the four, even at the two, if if the alternative is playing neither. Unless, but this is a big, big, big um, if, the, the one that I'm about to say, unless he shoots sh- like 38%, but I have no trust. In that to happen no
1: very little little confidence in that okay so let's move on i don't want to spend any more time of my life talking about adil nader like he could be the greatest guy in the world off the court i have no idea that's not what i'm talking about but i can't oh, no. watch him play basketball anymore like i am just yeah
0: over it's never personal <laughs> yeah it's, it's, i just always it's, clarify
1: it's just... because sometimes i feel like i'm so mean to these guys that if i ran across him, i'd be like hey man you may be a great guy i just I'm not a huge fan of the way you play. So, all right. So, two guys I really, really have intrigue about. One higher than the other, and I'll start with the one that's the least intri the less intriguing of the two, and that's Hamadou Diallo. Um, he is so confusing to me about what he looks like in the NBA because because of his limitations shooting. Uh, I think it will be a huge problem for him to really be what he physically can be in the nba like he's a great slasher he plays pretty rugged defense which i thought he was pretty good against Doncic, even though he got five fouls uh but he, his shooting is going to be a problem for as long as he tries to make it in the nba so what are your thoughts on hamadou
0: um i mean he can really play in transition um it is something that last season was there but just because someone else's uh, was given him opportunities now he creates opportunities in transition for himself he can he can have better reads about what the defense uh can like gives him uh, on the defensive side yes he made improvements but I I wasn't in, like so impressed about his game against donch yes there were a few moments but if you look at how easily, Cic, um opened the floor with him guarding him like he was able to find other guys open from three because uh, Diallo was not in front of him and so the defense the other defender say the one that guards the corner had to come up and so freeing up a shooter on, on the far corner so all this stuff I mean yes he in, in two or three chances he held his own maybe a few more um, but he has to work on that um his role in the team can be a dynamic uh player off the bench if the other four are good enough floor spacers. So if you if you want to play a second unit that has, I don't know, um Shea, him, Ferguson, uh Gallo, and Muscala, then maybe he makes sense. Like that second unit probably will score a lot and will play close to zero defense but if your point is to try to be energetic and 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 to and to have a guy that can slash then maybe he can find a role um but yeah i mean the shooting at least the corn the the corner tree he should be able to to take it at a good clip um so being quick enough and then to make it at a good clip yeah and i think good clip means 36 at least from the corner yeah, that seems like I mean I don't have his numbers in
1: front of me, but it seems like that may be a pretty substantial leap. And I think I think oh, yeah. I think I think his energy is something that will always be something that we enjoy as fans, and I think it's something that will carve him out of spot. Um, but it is something that will limit him if he can't figure out how to be consistent from three point line. So mm-hmm. the last one I do want to talk about just because I think it's probably if I was gonna say one story. Uh, that rose above the rest of them in the preseason was Darius Baisley. And and I don't want to spend too much time because I know that there's been a lot of conversation about what Baisley brings. Uh, but I do want to just give you a few minutes to talk about what you see specifically out of Baisley. I think one of the things that uh, – and this is just a Thunder MO – but if you look at his shot, and I think that's the biggest question mark about Baisley – Um, so maybe let's talk a few things that you see that are super positive about him, but I want you to really break down why you think his shot needs some mechanical work as well. Um,
0: I mean, surely his shot does not look quick enough to be productive at an NBA level, but it's not broken. I mean, how would, I mean, when you, when you try to rework someone else's shot, uh, first, I'm not an expert, so I don't know how to do it, but it's risky. You see players that rework entirely their shot, and then the improvements are just not there. I mean, Kitty Gilchrist worked on his shot for two straight seasons, like changing everything. Results? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And so I would tweak it. I would try to to make him work uh, with players that... like. if if you're able to to make him a little bit quicker, uh, a little bit faster, maybe you don't bring the ball too much down and you keep it a little bit up, upper. So all those little things you can work on. Uh, But I don't see like big reasons to to try to destroy his his, his, uh, shooting motion and and build build from scratch. Um, Sure enough though, if you want to have a great player uh, if you want to become a great player, then the shooting needs to be part of, uh, like, of Baisley's game. Maybe not pull up, because he's good enough with his dribble, where he can work uh, in other ways, like you don't you don't necessarily have to shoot from the dribble, uh, if you are 6'9", six, 6'10". Six, um, and so, having a reliable standstill shooting from three uh, is something that um, will boost he is um, his level for sure. What I liked in the preseason, as I was saying um, before, is the fact that he's able to understand where to be on the defensive side and execute it. Like, for rookies, being good offensively is almost easier than doing the, the right thing defensively. I remember Sabonis, everyone was criticizing him because he was not effective in his first year. And I was really happy uh, about him because he was playing good defense against great players. I don't know if this will be the case uh, for Basile because we just ha- we just saw preseason, but he did enough for me to trust his instincts and his um, applica- like his effort on that end. On the offensive side, it's clear to everyone probably that the the vision, the, the IQ that he has is over the roof. I mean you don't throw the passes that he threw in his first pro games if you're not if you don't have it. You you cannot throw random passes and, and put the ball in in the corner in the shooter's pocket. You just don't do that. And so the passing and the the control, the fluidity that he has are, are things that I didn't expect him to convert that um that soon i think that he will need to add a little bit more weight uh, because sometimes when he goes at the rim it's clear that he's not sustaining uh, the uh, the impact with the defender and but but those things are natural he's a lanky guy 68 uh, 69 that is basically not playing meaningful basketball f- uh, since 2018 probably so I mean I was really impressed I cannot say anything different than that
1: all right so that kind of wraps up our preseason conversation and we're glad that, that is over the regular season is here we got three games coming up this week before next Monday when you'll talk to McKelly again and there are three games that are going to teach us a little bit different things about this Thunder team so on Wednesday night they open a the season at Utah uh, which I You know, Utah is one of those teams that had an incredible uh, postseason, an incredible free agency haul with Bogdanovich, made the trade for Mike Conley. So there's a lot of things to look forward to as far as Utah for this season. And so the Thunder opened up their season against Utah on Wednesday. Then they're back home against Washington, who, um, by the pure luck and just sweetness of Bradley Beal, extended him this year. So they kind of have a a little bit of a path to what they may want to be if they, I don't know what they want to be. But, Washington's on Friday night, and then they play back at home on Sunday evening against Golden State. And so just kind of briefly, McKelly, what are you looking for? If you're going to look at the Utah game, what do you hope to see out of Oklahoma City? If you look at the Washington game, what do you hope to see? Is there one consistent thread? Is there something specifically for each one of those games? What do you think about the upcoming week?
0: Well, clearly you go in, um, in Utah and you expect – not to win that game i mean i i, I would guess if you poll with uh, our listeners 95 98 will say it's a loss uh, because utah is that good uh they they played together like part of the core has played like a few seasons uh, they they have a clear identity and mike Conley. Uh, even if he didn't play with them he He probably is the best point guard to have or one of the best point guards to have in that kind of system. And so I expect them to be great. What what I want to see is a team uh, in OKC that tries to execute um, all the concepts that they talk about in preseason, even if the defense is hard, even if the shots don't do not fall. And then I want to see applications on the, on the defensive side. I don't want to see a team that let it go. Um, I I want to see a team that tries to compete. Um, and and that would be enough for me against you against Washington. Um, I expect them to have a good game. Uh, I expect to see, um, a lot of Steven Adams because they don't really have a center that can match with his physicality. Um, and also, I, I I want to see Shea guarding Bradville. Like I want to see him against a top level guards and see how he performs on the defensive side. And this is something um, that in preseason I had mixed feelings about that. Sometimes he performed okay. Sometimes he just it wasn't good enough. I don't know if that is effort if that was preseason. And so I want to see him tested at a higher level and against. The Warriors, which is probably next Sunday, if I'm not mistaken, um, I don't know what to expect. They have four great starters and a collection of guys that plays there. Um, that And so that game is completely like black for me. I don't know what to expect. I don't know uh, what kind of version of the Warriors uh, will show up in OKC. And so... Um, I don't know. I mean, I again, it but, would be a chance for for the young guys to to perform especially on the defensive side against uh all-star level um competition.
1: Yeah, and it's it's hard. I think the goal for me is like just keep Steph under 50. Uh which I think should be the <laughs> the collective goal of the entire NBA this year because I
0: Well, it depends. I think does the Warriors you, score yeah. more than 90 yeah right
1: exactly because yeah. <laughs> uh, i it, i think he until clay comes back which they're saying all-star break or so i he may average over 40 a game and that's not even hyperbole yeah. like i think that that's how much they need him to score uh and then on top of that i just think that's how gifted he is i mean in my life i, I think in the history of the nba not a better shooter that's ever existed so um all right so here's what I want to do is I want to tell you a little bit about one of our sponsors. This is Peyton Marie photography. Check her out on Instagram at Peyton Marie photo. You're going to get an incredible view of what she does, um, with your needs for pictures. She's an Oklahoma based wedding photographer. Her main goal is to capture authentic emotion and unforgettable moments through bold and creative images. Uh, it's non-traditional. It's genuine and it's a bit out of the box. And so she believes that your photos should be a true reflection of who you are and that your wedding photos shouldn't just look like everybody else's. Though she's based on a group, she does love to go anywhere. So if you're going to do a a destination wedding, she would love to come and shoot your wedding. She also does some engagement pictures. If you follow her on Instagram, just beautiful. She does a really, really good job. And I do want to mention that you are able as a listener to down to dunk to get a 10% discount exclusively for us. Just whenever you call or contact her, tell her that you heard about this deal from the podcast and you'll get 10% off any session or wedding package booked in the calendar year of 20 as long as it's booked it can be in 2020 but as long as it's booked in 2019 you get that discount so check out Peyton Marie photo on Instagram follow her you can also go to our website at PeytonMarie.com support the people that support down to dunk all right McKelly, I've got a slew of Twitter questions that we're going to run to and we'll see how many we get in the next 15 minutes or so and then I'll let you go about the rest of your evening uh, the first one, this is from Al Babycakes uh, From our Wednesday pod He wants to know your setup for watching Thunder games Are you streaming on a laptop? Is it on a big screen? Do you record the games and watch them later? Do you have any Thunder fan friends in Italy That you watch games with? What do you think?
0: Uh, s- sadly, I'm one of the few uh, Thunder friends Or at least I'm aware I, I don't, I'm not aware of any Thunder friends in my area So I never watched a game a regular season game with someone else's that was rooting for the team, um, except when I visit uh, Andrew and we were uh, in the media, a part of the peak, trying to not to be too ex- um, excited about Don't the game. Don't we be fans. <laughs> Don't be fans. Exactly. Um, my my regular setting is pretty easy. Um, I wake up at 5 a.m. Um, like almost every day, uh, weekend included, if uh, if there is a game. I, I have the League Pass where you can watch a game in DVR, or you can even if it's live, you can start from the beginning. So say that there is a late game, 10:30 um, uh, Pacific Coast. I can start at five, and then for but by the mid third quarter, I am live, and so I can both tweet and and, and watch the game. So this is what I do basically. I use the League Pass, and I, I don't, I almost never wake up at at night to watch a game i just i just uh do it early in the morning and clearly since i have kids at home i don't have to to make noises or anything otherwise sit in silence uh, my wife will kill me yeah exactly (laughs) yeah so Uh, if if it is a live game laptop if not i can even stream it uh with i don't know any any streaming stuff on uh, the league pass you can stream on on tv and so it depends
1: so you're not getting up at three in the morning to watch the thunder game on thursday or on wednesday No, definitely not. So Alex says that in his head, you're in a dark room in the middle of the night streaming the game on your phone with headphones in while taking detailed notes on a legal pad by candlelight. So that's not quite accurate.
0: No, I don't. I don't take many notes. Um, I think that um, I rely on my eyes and my memory. Sometimes it fails. Um, If I have to to talk about the game, if I know that I have to talk about the game, um, for example, when Fred had me on a few thunder after dark or stuff like that or john last year um i i take notes because i want to refer to precise moments of the game without being wrong and so um in that in that case yes i i take a few notes of the like crucial moments uh, of the game i don't know changing of momentum or pretty big plays stuff like that
1: all right this one is from at ben Elephant king he says that the Jazz are projected to win a lot of games. Oklahoma City is not projected a lot of games. Understanding that the team goals are different. Do you see a huge difference in talent level between Mike? So he lines out the starting fives and then even the six man. So if you're going to rate the talent levels between Conley and Paul, how much different is that on which side?
0: Uh, the, the problem there, like the difference there is durability. I mean, last season Conley was pretty healthy. Um, if you tell me today that they play the same amount of game, then I would probably say that, that advantage is under somehow because I I would I think that Chris is a better player than Mike Conley. The problem is he never plays more than 65, 70 games. Yeah, which historically Conley- has
1: also been Conley except for last year, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So healthy is the bigger concern for me. I I expect Chris not to play more than 65 games. Maybe Conley will play 10 games more. And so in a single game, this probably doesn't matter. But over a season, I would say, if Conley stay healthy, which, I mean, the the issue is that Conley over the last few seasons probably solved some of the health issues that he had. Paul seems to have the same issues all the time, like hamstring and stuff like that, um, they're recurrent somehow.
1: All right. So the second one is the shooting guard position, which is Donovan Mitchell and Shea Gilgis Alexander. That's probably, in my mind, well, maybe not, but it is isn't that is an enormous gap between the two
0: of them. Would you agree with that? Yeah, it's a it's a big gap. Um, Mitchell is an all star. Uh, he can he showed that he can drive a team by himself. Shea, I mean, maybe uh, in 12 months, our answer will be different, but now you cannot say that this is close.
1: And if you look at the three or the other wing position, you have Joe Ingalls and then either the Ferg or Dre combination at three. That's a pretty wide gap as well.
0: Yeah, probably the biggest. Um, I think that especially depending on what Dre
1: comes back as, right?
0: Exactly. But Ingalls is a player that, that is a plus on both sides. Um, and he's a guy that makes your offense better by by making quick decision, by doing the right thing almost on every possession. And, and this is something that um, having a role player with that ability is something uh, extremely valuable. It's almost having a good Patterson on your team. When Pat was good, the game where Pat was good, you you can see the offense working in a different way. It was Higher pace, better decision, quicker passes, stuff like that. Ingles is great at that; it's
1: just great. So the four position, I'm just going to consider a push between Bogdanovich and Gallo. Is that fair? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay.
1: And then the Gobert Adams debate. I've had this a thousand times. I mean, Gobert is obviously uh, the better player by almost every measure. Um, although I, I mean. I don't think the gap is as wide as probably stats and majority of media members would tell
0: you. What do you think about that matchup? I think that Steven Adams, if you use him the way you can, and I mean having him more um, involved in the offense, using him more offensively, then the gap is not as big. Maybe on some nights the gap it's not even there. But Gobert, the, the ability that he has, no matter how involved he is on offense, to be a constant presence on defense. Um and, and Utah plays in such a way to um to use him at the best level. I mean they funnel guys in such a way that he can be effective as a as a rim protector. And Steven is not there. Uh Steven never really um improved at the um, like improve enough, where he's a deterrent at the rim. He's a different defender. Is um, a more system. Uh, he understand the calls. He's able to play pick and roll defense, probably better, even better than Gobert. But when you um, when you don't have a, a, like a perfect defense around him, he cannot be. The guy that solves everything for you, whereas Gobert, even if the defense breaks down, then he can be still a great uh, deterrent at the rim.
1: Do you think you'd see Stephen Adams dropping down anymore this year, or dropping uh, coverage? in terms
0: of? Oh yeah, yeah, he will Getting back to the uh, rim instead
1: that, of just you know chasing perimeter players.
0: Yes, he will do that. Uh, I think that the main idea for his, he is to switch the the is to switch every pick and roll that doesn't involve Stephen Adams and having him drop. And probably the same would go with uh, with Nearest Niles. So if you have a pick and um, the defender is Baisley and you have Shea, Giggs, and Zander, then they, the two will probably switch. Uh, whereas if you have Shea and Steven, then Shea will try to go over the pick and Steven will drop. All right. Let's run through a few more. So
1: this is one and part of the other question. There's two questions, but I'm just going to ask you the second one. So, at Sahand Zadeh is, what football team do you support in Italy?
0: Uh, You mean soccer? Yes. Uh, I was a fan of AC Milan, but I, I cannot say that I have watched a game in the last five years. I just don't have time. And after the gambling scandal that we had in 2006, I... I really lost any interest uh, in, in Italian soccer. I still watched national teams when they played, uh, when they play, but um, like uh, not at the a team level. Yeah.
1: Okay. From at OKC Dunder Myth Lawan, what is the general feeling or opinion
0: of the NBA in Italy? Well, the NBA is growing in Italy. Um, I remember, like probably five years ago. Uh, national basketball and Euroleague, maybe even 10 years, uh, were way bigger than what they are now. But due to the improved coverage and the, it, it's very easy to watch NBA with league pass and also the, the market, like the marketing of the NBA in Italy improved quite a lot over the last four years. And so like... If you' are a basketball fan, then you probably watch more NBA than European basketball as of now. And so yeah, I mean, there are still some old uh, journalists that tries to say that European basketball is better, but it's it's a very small group and like uh, they are almost uh, going away. I mean it's the NBA is is, is what basketball fans like to watch. All right, I'm going to give you one more question, but
1: before I get there, I'm going to tell you about another one of our sponsors, KP's Cleaning Services, local small business here in Oklahoma City, servicing the metro area and the surrounding areas, and they want to give you an A+ plus unique cleaning experience. And they've got a school special. It's not really back to school anymore. We're in the middle of it going on, but you can receive $20 off a first-time deep clean when you schedule weekly or bi-weekly cleanings. Now, that may um, not be around, but here's what I'll say: is if you tell them you heard about us on Down to Dunk or heard about them on Down to Dunk, I'm sure they will hook you up with some sort of deal. KP's cleaning service. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram. You can also call or text two nine zero eight one seven two for a free quote. Tell them Down to Dunk sent you, and they're going to clean your house and make it look beautiful. For maybe you have a party coming on. Maybe it's before Thanksgiving. You want your house to look especially nice for family to come over. Check them out. KP's Cleaning Services. All right, McKellie, your final question. I'm going to let you off for today's podcast. This is from Michael Clampett, uh, at Michael Clampett. And he said, here's a play on Bill Simmons. Pick your starting five to play against aliens for the fate of the world. Kind of the space jam connection. But instead of it being basketball, here's your question. You have one single five-course meal to show off your country's legendary food with the entire world on the line. What's on the plate?
0: Oh wow. Uh so how many courses? So let's think. So let's go we can just do
1: I was going to say five. So yeah, let's start out with an appetizer. What's the what's an appetizer?
0: Well, I think that um I will say I will speak about my the part of Italy we're living because it's uh, the most uh, uh, I mean it, the thing that makes most sense because like if you move a hundred miles away the um, the cuisine will be completely different. So in my area, which is um, north west, um, you. Always uh, start with something that has raw meat in it, like a tartare or stuff like that. Maybe a small portion of it uh, with some truffle if if there is a season or some uh, chunks of um, parmesan, stuff like that. So that would be the appetizer, and you can never go wrong with that. So are you doing
1: wine at the beginning?
0: Um Yes, uh, probably with the raw meat, depending on the second appetizer. If you want to do just one pairing for the first two dishes, you can either select um, a fresh red or uh, a white with uh, with body, like um, um not, not not sparkling, um, but maybe something like I don't know, a Riesling or stuff like that.
1: All right, okay, so we've got some. Tartar to start, which is what you made for us when you came, which was unbelievable. My first experience, but it was unbelievable. Okay, so we've got wine, we've got tartar.
0: So what's next? You doing a salad? uh, uh no. Uh, you go. <laughs> you, <laughs> you you probably go with um with a hot um with a hot dish, um, and it could be something like um a souffle uh with maybe some fontina cheese which is one of the most famous uh cheese that we have here um and it's really really tasty and you can pair it with um uh, in this season i would pair it with pumpkin so um, something like that like orange pumping and then this very very um um, I would say not spicy, but uh, flavor-y, um, flavory cheese that they, they do in this uh, kind of area. And then the, the main course would be clearly risotto, because it's something uh, that I loved uh, and it's um, one of the dishes that. Uh, I think we, in this part of Italy at least, uh, we love to do when we have guests, um, the the type of uh, toppings that you can, well, not topping, uh, the kind of, um, the way you do risotto depends on uh, uh, on what you like. You can do truffles, you never go wrong with that, uh, but you can even go with something simpler like a vegetable or um I don't know whatever you like you can do risotto with most of the things it's the way you cook rice uh, more so than what you put in it that sounds incredible all right so that puts us
1: at we're at 4 at this point including the wines do you switch wines throughout the meal or are you drinking the same wine
0: oh
1: yeah are you trying to are you pairing per course
0: yeah, yeah, you can with the risotto, especially if you don't have um, sour tastes. Like if you if you have like a pretty uh, strong risotto, then you you should really uh, go uh, to uh, red wine. Um, I know in this area we have a lot of reds like Barolo or Barbaresco, but you can even try something more easy like Barolo. It's very expensive sometimes. Uh, um, it's even hard to to be happy with a bottle of it because you spend so much money and you don't really feel uh, <laughs> that the pairing works. This doesn't taste uh, like a hundred dollars. <laughs> no, maybe it even it even does, but like it's if you don't have. Uh, no it's it's hard to pair and so i would go with something easier like um we have a great wine which is called barbera i don't know how mu- how much of that is uh sell, sold for export but it's a really uh strong wine uh, of my area that and you can find really 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 good bottle for reasonable prices um, then you have to do meat so um, i'm not great at cooking it but brazzato is amazing like it's a slow cooked meat uh, that you cook with wine um that goes that goes great with barolo by the way you can do barolo brasato which is basically three hours of cooking slow cooking with wine uh, and it's it's sensational yeah. sensational and then you can uh, end up with uh i don't know uh, a tiramisu always works what about a what a sorbetto Oh, uh, that goes between the risotto and the meat. It's not a dessert. It's um it's change. Pa- is it of a palate day. cleanser? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Well, you can, I I would serve it either between the souffle and the risotto, or after the risotto, depending on the type of uh, sorbetto that you want to to serve. Now,
1: but to to be fair, like so, in, when you're you're not cooking this every night. Like, you don't eat like this every, every single meal. Is that correct? No. All right. All right. No. So there's no, days where right. you just go home and pick up something that's in the refrigerator just like we do as well, right?
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: All right, man. I am just making sure. I don't know what it's like to be <laughs> Italian. I just, you know, I'm going, I'm like, I'm hearing all this and it's lunchtime here and I'm about to go home and make myself a turkey <laughs> and cheese sandwich. I'm like, man. Well, my, my, lunch is,
0: my, my lunch is even... It, it, my lunch is always sad because I, I don't leave the <laughs> office I rarely leave the office so when I'm lucky like today I was pretty lucky I had a Greek yogurt um strawberries and a little bit of honey that and and that's it like nothing else so it's pretty sad
1: hey uh, yeah that's that's normal it's yeah. lunch right yeah you don't need to be yeah super yeah exactly for lunch well that's all the time we have for you as part of this podcast we're so glad that you joined us make sure you follow Michele Berra here at Mikey Berra online on Twitter. Tremendous content. Man, I'm just so thankful that you joined us as part of this podcast. You bring incredible stuff every time you are a part of it. So follow us at Down the Dunk. Rate and review us online anywhere you listen to your podcast. Just let people know that you listened to it and that you enjoyed it. Five stars, super easy to do. And we'll be back. What we're going to do for the rest of the week is actually I'm going to get on with Alex after the first game. And so we're probably not going to release it until Thursday morning. And so be on the look on that. We're going to talk a lot about what we saw from the first game, things that surprised us, us, things that intrigued us. And then Andrew will be back, not Friday, because that will just be Luke, Taylor, and myself. And then we'll be back with you on Monday with Michele and Andrew to talk about the weekend in Thunder basketball that was. Thanks a lot, Mike. Or Mike, Mike Michele. thank you for joining us, and we'll check you next time.
0: We'll oh.